you can bake a cake or you can garden, you know, plant a garden or you can repair a car or you can swing a golf stick, you can paint. Hi, Art Supply Posse. It's Marcus. We have a very special guest, Conchetta Antico, who is a true tetrachromat. That means she has a fourth color receptor and can see up to 100 million more colors than the rest of us. Prepare to have your ideas of color expanded. Have you seen the movie Avatar with all those shimmering colors in the forests? That is sometimes how it's explained. Or if you consider the iridescence of a holographic image, the kind of thing where you see a wide range of colour. Conchetta is an artist and art teacher. She's been teaching people for 25 years and she uses her gift to help other people see more colours. So much of our perception is about how our brain processes the signals we receive from our eyes and ears. Conchetta is an exception even among tetrachromats because only very few people with the fourth color receptor can actually see a wider range of colors. I've put a link in the show notes to an article by a neuroscientist working on her PhD at Oxford University. Sophia Delaniv or Deleniv, not sure how you pronounce her last name, But Sophia has a blog article explaining why, although about 12% of women have a fourth colour receptor, or cone as it's called, but they don't see the colours that Conchetta can see. To put it simply, there isn't enough difference between the individual signals sent to the brain to represent a different colour. There is another podcast that did an episode on colour several years ago, and they set about trying to find a true tetrachromat. They found eight women who had the genetic disposition, being the fourth cone, but only one out of the eight was able to pass the test and differentiate a wider range of colours. So as you can tell, the whole thing is quite complex. That makes Conchetta's abilities something of an artistic superpower. We need your help to pay the podcast hosting bills. We do this for fun and for free, but hosting costs money and we have bills to pay. You can support us with as little as $1 per month on Patreon, but you can also get bonus episodes. We've already recorded two interviews exclusively for patrons, but if you don't want to commit to monthly, you can also just send us a one-time payment for 5 10 or $20. And for $20, you can get three bonus episodes. Those are exclusive to patrons. Head over to artsupia.org, A-R-T-S-U-P-I-A dot org. You'll also find the link in the show notes and help us out paying the hosting costs. One quick note on the audio. There are a few dings from phone notifications in the recording, but they can't be edited out because they occurred right in the middle of someone talking. Also, this is one of the first interviews we recorded, and that was still using Skype, so the audio quality is not as good as it is on more recent episodes. With the business side of things out of the way, now it's on to the interview 
with Conchetta Antico, I think you'll find her a really inspiring personality. You can tell that she's a very experienced art teacher just in the way she talks about teaching. And on top of that, you get her truly unique way of seeing the world in all its many vibrant colours. Hi, Art Supply Posse. It's Kim here bringing you an interview with Conchetta Antico. Welcome to Art Supply Posse, Conchetta. Would you please tell the listeners just a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do? I'd love to, Kim. Thank you so much, and um, I'm really delighted to be on your program. Uh, My name is Conchetta Antico, as you pointed out, and I was born in Sydney. Um, I'm an Aussie, and I have lived half of my life in Australia and half of it over here in the United States, specifically in San Diego. I'm a fine artist. I work with oil paints. I have since I was about six years of age. Um, But I also have a unique gift, um, a blessing, really. Um, It's a mutation. So I'm kind of an ex-woman. I have a thing uh, called tetrachromacy, and it means that I have a fourth receptor in my eyes, um, being studied now for about six years. And I can see up to 100 million more colors than anyone else in the world at this point based on the testing. Um, But I paint in oils, so I'm an artist first, a tetrachromat second, Mm. uh, but it's a unique way to um, portray the world on canvas um, through my medium and through my eyes. That would be about who I am. I'm also a mum. But, uh, I'm again, my, my main business is in oil painting, And uh, I've also been a teacher for about 25 years of oil painting. So that's a little bit about who I am. So have you always used oil paints? That's always been your medium of choice? And and if so, how how did you get to oils like straight away? Uh, Yeah, well, it's a very fun story. Um, I've only ever used oils. I love oils. I use specifically Windsor and Newton oils and or Old Holland only um, because what, what it is with oils, it's good to stick with one brand because you get used to the pigment and then you know how to mix your colors more deftly. But I was given oil paints at a very young age of around six as a Christmas present uh, by my mother and an easel. And uh, I've always, I've just always painted in oils and I love it. I love the medium. I love the flexibility of it. And I love the true colors um, that it portrays. Very easy to mix the colors that I see. So it, it does give you that it does allow you to see those colors or use the, the colors that you see bring that to the actual artwork itself absolutely yeah absolutely i'm big on color mixing i'm not real big on having lots of different tubes of color yeah. um because i like to make the subtle colors that i see because i see such a myriad and mosaic of color in nature a lot more than uh, most people do but because i'm able to merge and blend colors so effectively with the oils Um, I'm able to create, you know, a large variety of colour based on the fact that they're very malleable when it comes to mixing and you can can do little interesting uh, merges of colour and you get, like, very interesting little um, concoctions, if you like, of colour because they stay wet and you can, uh, you know, I work all my work in uh, direct method, which is a la prima, so I work all my paintings in one sitting, no matter the size. I work up to probably the largest, and I'm, I'm working in inches, sorry about mm-hmm. the metric. I'm so Americanized now, but um, up to about a three-by-five-foot painting um, in one sitting, wet on wet. 
So I love to uh, take the oils and create with them because they stay wet. And so they create nice, interesting, what I call magical um, color. Yeah, awesome. it sounds really it sounds really good. So because you, you see the way you see, but like me and most other people don't see those colors, do are we missing out because we're not seeing all these awesome colors? I mean, how how is that how does that co- how does it work? It's so fun um and it's interesting that you would say that. Um yeah, I guess in a way you are missing out. <laughs> I don't know what you see, but from the scientific studies that have been done on me uh, now for about six years up at uh, the University of Irvine here in California in Orange County. Um, they've tested me against other people who have the mutation as well, other tetrachromats. Um, but because of my unique brain, I guess, and the way that I'm wired and the way that the um, tetrachromacy has shown up on my elopsin and the different levels in it, um, also I have a higher luminance factor. And I'm getting back to your question, but I want to explain this first. Yeah. Um, I see much more light. Um, to like um, compounded uh, seven seven levels higher. So if you think of like an earthquake being six and then you think of it being, you know, 20, it's not just 14 more. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, um, it's much, I see much more light um, than most people. Um, and so because of that, I'm the perfect storm for it. And basically um, it's it's very different what I see. Everything is intensified um some people have described it as being holographic potentially or avatarish um i see you know i wake up in the morning i'm very captivated by color all day long because i see you know hundreds of colors in just like one leaf for example um one of the um uh, students up at Stanford University in fact it's on my website if anyone wants to look under the press page recently did a um, thesis on me for her master's and it was about whether the fact that I see so much more colour in everything um, actually affected my mood and interestingly enough I'm a very happy person I wake up and I'm very excited about what I see in my world and it actually is prescriptive and does change um, my my mood it makes me very happy so I see everything is so much so very beautiful to me um, it dictates my world um, I'm captivated I tell people colors uh, and nature uh, specifically speaks to me very loudly and um, it's a blessing. Yeah, it's a wonderful thing. In India, they wrote an article on me and said I was one of the 10 luckiest people in the world. I think I might well be because of the way that I see nature, because our world is so beautiful. And growing up in Australia, and I think all Australians can relate to the fact that we're really big on nature, mm. you know, flora and fauna, and uh, we have unique and beautiful um, nature. And so I was very lucky to be a child, not knowing I had tetrachromacy because I only found out six years ago. But I was very lucky to be a child that was surrounded by so much light, beautiful light that we have there and beautiful, um, beautiful imagery and nature. Mm. So, yeah, it's a um, very fortunate gift that I have, very bright, very beautiful. Yeah, yeah. very lucky. That sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, very lucky. Yes. So you you said you only found out like six years ago. How what how did that come about? As a like, how did you come to discover that? What 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 is like? It just seems crazy to just you've just been normal as far as you're concerned your whole yeah. life, and then suddenly you find out about this thing 
And then what does it do to you? Like, obviously, it's great, but it's really explained a lot. Okay, that's the first thing. It's explained a lot. I didn't realize it at first. I didn't realize, first of all, like you say, I didn't realize I was different. No. I thought what you saw, I saw. Yeah. Um, My sister also has tetrachromacy, and she's an artist um, living in Australia, but she um, and I obviously saw the same thing. Yeah. But we only just realized that we do see the same things. And it was very comforting. I just segueing here. One day we were walking down by the riverbank. She lives in Safala and we were looking at all the turquoise on the bark and the magenta and we were laughing that because we realized because she got tested too because they're doing a paper on my whole family. And uh, we were laughing at, wow, nobody really sees this. So mm-hmm. anyway, getting back to your what you're asking as far as what was it like and how did I find out. So like you say, I just thought everybody saw what I saw. And I taught for many years over here in San Diego, I had a school called the Salon of Art. And I taught, like I said, up to about 20,000 people um, of all ages from children to adults. And they were very polite. They would never tell me. We'd go out plein air painting, you know, outdoor painting a lot, and because uh, that's one thing that I'm that I focus on as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they wouldn't say when I'd say, "Oh, look at that beautiful lilac on the water," mm-hmm. you know, the, the the sun's hitting that, and look at that fabulous orange on that leaf. And they just go, "Uh huh, yeah, uh huh." But the thing is, is you know, the more that I would teach them, the more they could see because yeah. people would. Regular vision yes. can actually see up to a million colors, and most yeah. people aren't using all of that. Yeah. So they really got a gift from me teaching them because they actually expanded their spectrum of color. But um, they didn't ever say anything. <laughs> I was the teacher, you see, and that would have been rude. And yes. So they sort of nodded their head and kept painting. So when it turned out, um, how I found out was um, I have a daughter. And uh, she came home from school uh, about eight or nine years ago and she said, Mummy, I can't see when the teacher writes with orange on the whiteboard at school. Well, she wears glasses and I just thought, well, maybe she's sitting in an odd spot. So I called the teacher and I said, uh, uh, you know, where's my daughter sitting? Oh, she's in the front row, yes, because we know she wears glasses and so forth. I said, well, she says she can't see orange when you write on the whiteboard? And she said, well, I don't know. And I'm a teacher by profession. I went to Sydney Uni and I have a degree in education. So I knew about colour deficiency, mm-hmm. colour blindness, as they used to call it. And um, I thought, well, I better take her down to the to the optometrist and have her tested. In the meantime, I had a student, and a man actually, he was a fabulous guy, an engineer, and he worked um, in your sort of high-tech stuff. And he had found an article in the Smithsonian magazine about tetrachromacy and fourth receptors and around the same time as this was happening with my daughter he sent me an article on it and he said I think you're one of these you know and the thing was he's color deficient you know and so I used to teach him and it was fun because we work by value you know shades of color so he was able to paint quite handily and, and did a beautiful job of him in Vietnam in a black and white photo and I said oh yes Steve sure me and everybody else because like you said getting something like that's like getting masses of presents under the Christmas tree yeah. right you know I yeah. tell people it's like the cherry on my cupcake so anyway um I went and had her tested and I watched as she failed miserably the color uh, tests and it didn't occur to me it had anything to do with tetrachromacy at the time yeah. so then fast forward another year or two and I had a client come in to sign up for lessons and she is a research scientist her name was Wendy Martin and she came into my studio and my art was hanging there and she said oh your work is amazing there's an alchemy in the color 
you know, very, she's a very intelligent woman. And she said, there's an alchemy in the color I can't quite put my finger on. Because when you look at my art, even if you're not a tetrachromat and you're actually looking at it, there's so much subtle color in it. There's so much interesting color in it that everything looks almost 3D, you know, because it, it's not flat. Mm. And to me, the art looks very flat because I have so much variation in colour and it's all melded and and put together so interestingly because it's the way it is in nature, you see. Yeah. It's real. Yeah. Um, so it gives like a vibration, if you like. She's like, there's an alchemy I can't explain. And I said, I laughed. And I said, oh, maybe it's my fourth receptor. And she looked at me and she said, what are you talking about? I said, oh, look, someone sent me an article a few years ago. I said and it was about colour and I just thought, well, and you know, I just kind of pulled it out. I don't even know why I pulled it out. Anyway, because she's a research scientist, she went home and started looking everything up. And she sends me over all this bibliography. And typically, um, I'm so busy, I don't have time for bibliography. That was back in college, you know. And I'm like, I had the flu. It was like November 12th, 2012, and I had the flu and I was about to make pancakes for the kids or whatever. And I sit down at the table with a big cup of chamomile tea and I start, oh, well, I'll have to open one of these up, you know, curious. And it was about tetrachromacy. And in the first paragraph of the first piece of bibliography that I opened, it said, women who have the um, potential for tetrachromacy also have the potential to create a colorblind female offspring. Oh. And all these pieces just converged, like the penny dropped. Yeah. And I got very excited and I thought, well, gosh, I do see colour differently. Everybody, you know, comments about the colour in my work. This guy sent this. My daughter has that. Maybe there's something to it, you know. <laughs> Maybe I've got the golden ticket, yeah. you know. And so you get very excited. So I started looking more in this article and I skimmed down to the bottom where I saw who the researchers were. And there was one from John Hopkins, uh, one from Cambridge, and one from University of Washington. And I, you know, if it hadn't been the era here of the World Wide Web, mm. I'd have been stuck, right? Mm, yeah. But I was able to research all these scientists, and I was able to get their email addresses from their web pages. And I sent immediately an email, and it said the subject line was possible fourth receptor artist with colorblind female daughter, yeah, right? That was the subject line. In 20 minutes, Dr. Jane Knights of the University of Washington, who's the foremost color scientist over here in the United States, was on my cell phone. <laughs> yeah. And he says, hi, this is Jane Knights. I've just got your email. And, uh, yeah, we're very interested in testing you. And actually, at the moment, I've got Fuji TV here. They're doing a documentary up here in Washington. And we've got one week to find a tetrachromat, and we haven't been able to find one. Do you, could we send you down a vial via UPS? And I said, hell yeah. <laughs> so, so I spat in that thing and sent it back and lo and behold, as it turns out, and now with Dr. Kimberly Jameson, who studies me, I am the perfect storm for tetrachromacy. Wow. They can't find anybody who can see as much as I can, even with other people who have the genetic mutation. Wow. So I'm the girl. Yeah. I said to Dr. Kimberly one day, I said, well, I guess I want to put uh, my eyes in the Smithsonian. And she <laughs> said, no, they want to put your brain in there. <laughs> it's not so much what my eyes see, Kim. Yeah, it's, it's what my brain has done with it, yes. and that's, that's the unique part. You know, we're all unique and different, yeah. but the way that everything has come together in me, uh, being a painter, 
since I was six or even before, you know, replicating the Impressionists as a very small child, uh, painting on the fence at preschool with water because I could see rainbows instead of just water and grey, um, you know, immersed in art all through school. You know, I've got friends on Facebook from Australia and they're like, oh, yeah, we're not surprised. You were always that girl. You know, you are always that multicoloured girl. Um, and uh, so it's just kind of followed me through my entire life. But I think my mum was a tetrachromat. I obviously got it from somewhere. They've since, And she passed away when I was very young, uh, 12. But she told me I'd be a great artist and a great art teacher. It was interesting, sort of a foreboding. And my father is uh, colour deficient. So their mutations created what I have. Um, I'm sure she was a tetrachromat. We don't can't test because we don't have anything of hers, but still. Um, but she would put, you know, a red and a blue light in the swimming pool to make it violet and she had lime green carpet and, I mean, all these things that tetrachromats do were big on colour. Yeah. So um, I'm sure she was, so you know. Very, so, so anyway, so that explains sounds, it was a bit long-winded, but it's a fun story. No, it is a fun story. And it sounds like that support from her early on and even from, you know, from your father, even though he couldn't see the same way she could or you, has really yeah. helped and helped format and made you who you are today. Absolutely. She was all about art for uh, us and all about creativity. And I was very fortunate to go to a school that was very big in art. It was a private girls' school, but we got like three hours of art every day almost. It was amazing. And um, I was just all about art. It was just, you know, and on the weekends as a teen, I was making collages on my doors or I was painting, um, you know, a record album covers on my walls. And my parents were really good about it. They didn't care, you know, and I was in the garage working on paintings and it was just all about art, 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 art. And if it wasn't art, it was fashion. If it wasn't that, it was Mary Quant nail polishes where I was putting four different colors on my fingers, you know. Um, so I was, yeah, always that girl. Yes. And then when people started putting colour in their hair, you know, that's all the rage now. Yes. I, I started doing that about over 10 years ago. I was one of the first people here in San Diego to have colour in my hair and people would come in on it, you know, and I was one of the first it's people to start, um, to start uh, wearing like blue um, mascara and purple lipstick and, yeah, I've just always been that yeah. girl. You know, and yeah. it's interesting what you were saying about teaching the gentleman that had is color deficient. How he could still paint because he can, because you were able to show him about the light, and that's that's quite interesting. That is, yeah, yes, I can elaborate on that if you'd like. Yeah, yeah. what it was is, um, so first of all, I came up with a system or a methodology of my palette that I use and that I teach with, and it is a value palette. So basically what I do is, you know, if I'm looking at an image or I'm looking at a landscape, I'll determine what key colors I'm going to use. And like I said to you, I only use about 40 colors mm -hmm. total. Mm -hmm. And I can any color that I can see with those 40. I'm all about color mixing and I teach color mixing. So from that, I created this process or this methodology where it's a value palette. So I'll select the six to 10 oil painting tubes of color that I see because I know like a machine, Tim, I can tell what colors are going to make exactly the colors that I see. Mm -hmm. Like I mix those very quickly in my mind and then I can take those colors and I can lighten them with white on my palette and create values of those colors in like a systematic way and then by crossing over um, on the horizontal of those different values I can make 
thousands of colors yeah. from just maybe 10 tubes. Mm-hmm. And so I taught him with a value method mm-hmm. with this palette. So even though he couldn't see the red, he couldn't see the green, and he couldn't see the blue we were using, he could see shades of colors yeah. and he could see values. And so he was able to create beautiful art. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, it didn't matter how he thought it. It's amazing. So do you still teach? I do, but very limited. Um, I'm so busy with shows and press. Mm-hmm. I'm very fortunate with press. Um, I, I have something going on every week just about, and uh, at the moment I do, I have a lovely home here in San Diego. I do soirees of uh, art shows for my collectors. I do about four or five times a year that. And then I just went into cahoots with um, like a partnership with another amazing artist here in San Diego, Irina Nicolescu, and she and I are in a place called the In Gallery, and so we're having shows down there as well. She's an amazing um, artist as well and, and very vibrant colour. Um, so, you know, I often see artists that I think might have tetrachromacy. I can kind of tell. Another interesting thing is I can tell when an artist from the past might have had tetrachromacy, so like a deceased artist. When I look at the work, like I think for sure Margaret Ollie had tetrachromacy. I'd lay money on it. Yeah. Um, so Margaret Preston. Um, but if I move over to France, uh, people like Berthe Morisot, um, if I go to America, like Fern um, Copledge and uh, a couple of California uh, Impressionist artists, Donna Schuster would be another one, Anna Hills. I can just tell from their use of colour. I can also tell when someone doesn't have it. You know, because I can tell by the way they wield the color, yeah. and whether painting has more depth. Um, paintings can be beautiful, but I can really tell the depth of the use of the color, whether they're seeing more color and whether they're using it. Yeah. So people used to think my art and the colors in it were just a style, <laughs> but because I've been studied so significantly, um, and even the BBC wrote about this, that they've done testing on me where they've crossed over all my art and they can they can identify where when I'm seeing certain colours and I'm putting certain colours there that it's actually what I'm seeing. It's not just happenstance. It's not just a style. I actually see that colour in nature yeah. and uh, I reproduce it. And in a scene, they've, you know, run programs and so forth, scientific studies so that they can say, oh, well, she used it there, but she used it there, she used it there, she used it there. So they can do a crossover and see and then validate that it was indeed what I could see, yep. not just throwing it up there. Yeah. So if someone yeah. someone was learning from you, would they yeah. maybe use colour more like you would if, if you were teaching them? Let's say they they'd never used oil painting paints, they'd maybe they've dipped in creativity somewhere along, but let's say they were pretty new to it and they're in for the long haul and you, you were going to teach them, would they then really, not necessarily, they wouldn't be seeing like you do, but they would be seeing more perhaps because of how you would teach them? Yeah, they'd see more and they'd know how to wield more yeah. because of the palette. Yeah. So the painting, I can tell you, I became, uh, like I said, I taught over 20,000 people. I was the foremost um, instructor here in San Diego for a long, long time. I still have a core group of students that I do, you know, one night, one day a week. But the thing is that I became, you know, famous for that because the quality of the work, which ties into what you're asking, was so good. Mm -hmm. Like somebody could come in who'd never painted before and the, the way that their paintings resonated, like the colour that they would use and the way that they would place the colour and the effect that they would get was very mature for 
a beginner. Yeah. Yeah. Right. People could see that. Yeah. And they could see that. So they would stay. I had students that would stay 10, 15 years, you know, and they got really good. And a number of my students are now professional artists. But everybody would say the caliber and the quality of the work that comes out of your studio was significantly good. Yeah. Um, and comparative to other teachers, yeah. And also the other thing is I changed their lives. You know, I used to giggle because uh, someone would come in and take lessons with me and I'd wait, I'd just wait like maybe two, three weeks, and they'd come and they were like little kids. They always said the same thing. Oh, I was out in the mountains with my husband the other day and I could see all the values in the sky and I could see all the colours and they'd always had the same little script. You know, they were somewhere in nature where all of a sudden their world was popping for them and they could see so much more colour because of the way that I would uh, introduce colour to them and point it out. So it's a learned thing. Yeah. You know, even for me, being a a highly functioning tetrachromat. I mean, the key word is when they find somebody has the potential, and that's the key word, potential for tetrachromacy, it means that they've got the genetic disposition for it, right? But having the genetic disposition for it does not mean that they are functioning. Yes. And it doesn't mean that they're highly functioning. Yeah. So the more that you paint, the more you're exposed to colour, the more you be. Now, someone could have a great, you know, um, uh, genetic for it, but maybe they are uh, a librarian or something mm-hmm. and they just read books mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they work in some other industry or they're in mining and they're in the dark all the time. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if, if they're not exposed to it, it's not going to develop. No. But I'm so lucky and they can't find anyone because since a little, little girl, you know, I've been exposed to a lot of colour. And I think it has something to do with being raised um, in Australia um, because we're very outdoor people, yeah. you know. I was in nature a lot and we're very creative people. I've met a lot of people, you know, and I meet Australians over here. I've got another friend she's a designer up in L.A. and she's Australian. And I just find Australians are, you know, and I don't want to seem biased, but I guess I am, you know, <laughs> I'm very patriotic. But at the same time, i found that a lot of Australian people are extremely creative and they are really in tune with, um, the nuances of, you know, intricate design and intricate colour. And I really think it has a lot to do with our education system and I think it has a lot to do with our lifestyle yeah. you know, and um, and our love of nature yeah. because I know you have it. Yeah, We had an absolutely stunning sunset last night. The colours were just, oh, to die because I'm, I'm a photographer so... I was actually going somewhere, but I stopped long enough with my mobile phone to take some photos because the oranges yeah. and the reds and the pinks and intermingled with the blues. It was just stunning. We've got some just beautiful sunsets these past few oh, days. It's unbelievable just... and unlike anything in the world. Well, you know I have a farm now in Byron Bay. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, my, fam- my children are actually living over there. Uh, my husband's over there as well. I um, have the liberty of, you know, they're teens now and I have the liberty of coming back to our home here in San Diego doing these shows. I literally fly back and forward about seven or eight times a year. It's crazy. Mm. I went back twice in the last 60 days. <laughs> but, um, no, really, I get on like I get on a Greyhound bus. Yeah. I just fly from Los Angeles straight to Brisbane. But, um, yeah, the farm and the way everyone knows Byron Bay and the beauty that's up there. Um, and yeah, the way that the water and the and the and the and the hinterlands and the trees and the skies and the sunsets, you know, there's nothing like it. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. uh, we are blessed. We are. You know, very blessed. lucky. Yeah. 
And I'm fortunate enough now to have this beautiful heritage farm with a little old Federation home on it. And anyone can come stay. It's Turalu Farm Stay. They can come stay in my vision. Yes. I, uh, it's Airbnb um, and stays home away and they can Google that and they can come stay up there and see my art and possibly meet me if I'm there and um, stay in Byron Bay. Yeah, there yeah, you go. That'd be fun. So, well, they could come over here to San Diego and stay in my house here, which is a tetrachromatic. Uh, it's painted purple, green and yellow. Nice. <laughs> Fun. Yeah, very awesome. fun. Awesome. Um, so how does that, that movement between the two countries, how does that play out in your artwork? Oh, it's interesting, yeah, because um, if you look at my work, you'll see some really significant Australian pieces. Mm. You know, like I said, I'm very patriotic. I love our animals and our, our flora and fauna and, you know, you'll see gum trees and you'll see koala and you'll see kookaburra and you'll see cockatoo and that's because of my love of what we have that's unique Um, because I love nature. Australia is very unique um, in that way. And, uh, but then I come over here and over here, I'm getting into a little bit more of a magical realm. I'm loving to paint um, night scenes because of this high luminance factor. I have, I see more light in the dark. So I'm able to see more color in the dark. Uh, But I started painting galaxies and so forth. Really interesting, the Houston Astronomical Society have asked me to be a guest speaker in February and bring some of my art because I see colours in full moons and, you know, the stars in the night sky that other people aren't seeing. So they want to talk to me too. Yeah, why not? Uh, Yeah, why not? I mean, and getting Um, back to Australia, our our evenings, the nighttime sky is just beautiful. I can stand outside in the Milky Way and uh, everything. It's just gorgeous. Like it on the earth, and again, very biased. I might get in trouble for that. We might, but, um, yeah. Nothing like it when I stand at Tuvalu Farm and I look up at the sky, and the stars are the size of basketballs. You know, yeah, um, it's amazing. And the rings around the moon, and just the whole thing. Mm, yeah, it's amazing. Beautiful. We're like so blessed. Definitely, so lucky. we really are. Um, well, I'm heading up towards the end of the interview. Um, what advice would you offer to to any listeners that are out there? They have listened to this interview and they are blown away, they're inspired and they really want to get out there and start oil painting. They've never done it before but you know what, they are just now in love with the idea. Where where do you think they should go to start? What's the best best thing to do, do you think? Okay. So I'm going to tell you what I really think about it. First of all, um, and, you know, the watercolorists and the acrylic painters and so forth might come down on me, but oil painting is oil paint is very forgiving, yeah. all right? So a lot of times with people when they want to start something creative, they want to do something artistic, they'll jump into certain mediums and they'll get frustrated because it can be difficult, right? Mm. Oil painting, being very forgiving, um, being able to be moved around, being able to be changed, covered and so forth, there's a lot of leeway in there, being able to be removed from the canvas as you paint if you don't like something you put up. I highly recommend it um, in terms of people have a lot of great success for it. The second thing I would say is to find yourself a good teacher. Um, Even if you don't want to do it for very long and you really want to be just independent and kind of, you know, a lot of people get up to the canvas and like, I just want to express myself and throw some paint up. Mm. And that's great too. Mm. You know, you could certainly do that. But you need some of the basics. You know, it's like, Anything else, oil painting is just a skill to be learned. It's like learning weaving or learning carpentry or learning mechanical car 
repairs or something. It's just a skill to be learned. So don't be frightened about it. But find someone who knows how to manipulate the tools. Find somebody who at least knows, you know, this is what you need. These are the pieces you need. If somebody ever wanted to email me, honestly, I don't mind. They can find my website and I could send them over what I believe is the basic list of things that you need Mm -hmm. um, based on my experience. Happy to do that. But get a teacher. Find somebody. If you can't find anybody in your area, then maybe there's a lot of online courses too that you can at least get the basic fundamentals down. And then I would say don't be afraid of the pain, you know, Uh, experiment have fun with it you'll be surprised the magic that you can put up on the canvas you can conjure something up there and um, again you'll create wonderful effects if you use it wet on wet Um, that's always fun and the other thing is you put something up you know they've x-rayed famous paintings like Gainsborough and stuff and found that a dog that was sitting on a woman's lap was actually down at her feet and her dress was blue and then it really was red you know and it's like oil paint's amazing for that you know, and um, color-wise, you know, maybe you're an abstract painter. Maybe you're not interested in getting very figurative or being an impressionist or being a more, um, you know, uh, somebody who's actually more representative. Maybe you just want to put colors up, and that's great too. I recently did a painting for a friend, and he just wanted to have something that looked kind of Rothko-esque. And I did it in class with my students, and like, that was looking too easy. I'm like, yeah, I just have to put a bit of red there, blend it in with the red, blend it in with the blue, blend, blend it in with the green, and there you have it, you know. It's sort of like, but it's color, yeah. you know, and you have to have fun, yeah. you know. If you're not having fun, you're not going to do it. So uh, carve out time, buy a book, find a good teacher, someone you like, someone who you respect their work, um, and make sure they're not too stuffy and serious. But make sure they're teaching you technique because the thing I've heard from my students over the years was that we love your instruction because we come in and we actually learn something. You know, if you walk in there and the teacher's sort of saying, oh, well, paint what you feel, you know, or something like that, which sounds all very expansive, but it's not really giving you the tools that you want. No. You need something that's going to give you a bit more direction than that. So I uh, give it a go, as we say, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. It sounds like very good advice. Just get, don't be afraid and have a go. Yeah, and if they tell you to pick up a lead pencil and start sketching it out with a lead pencil, run. Not <laughs> the teacher that you want. You shouldn't be putting any graphite up on the canvas. Definitely, definitely agree with that. And it's interesting you say about don't being a, be afraid of the of the, the paint. I, I was watching uh, Gardening Australia the other day, in fact, and uh, they were showing they were planting a pot of, out onto, into the ground. And just the way they were handling that plant, when I look at a plant and I'm very gentle and I'm very, because, you know, I'm afraid I'm going to break it and they just, because they do it all the time and I suppose it's like that with all, you do it all the time so you just handle it how you handle it. I'm like, maybe I can be a bit more, not aggressive, but just not quite so scared that I'm going to break the plant or, you know. Like, you know, what is it, you know, the biggest fear is that you didn't try, right? I mean, you know, don't be afraid to fail. It's worse that you didn't give it a go and you never know, you yeah. know. Like I say, I would say to your listeners, you know, if you can bake a cake or you can garden, uh, you know, plant a garden or you can repair a car or you can swing a golf stick, you can paint, you know. It's that easy. Yeah. It's just the same, yeah. right, and you've got to, like, have fun with it and give it a chance, you know. So and outdoor painting is very fun. You know, just go down and take an easel with a canvas on it and down by the water or into the bush and just paint what you see. You know, that's another thing I tell people, just paint what you see. Yeah. So 
it's very fun. And I, like I said, that's I started like that. I was self-taught for the most part. I haven't had any fancy teachers, but I've painted, you know, I'm one of those 10,000-hour people. Mm. Um, I just paint, paint, paint. And, um, yeah, that's how you get good. Practice, right? Yeah, practice, practice, practice. That's it. Yeah, yeah. definitely. This is a great honour to be on your show. Thank you. Thank I'm you. Really I really appreciate Yeah, appreciate having you. So the best place for people to go would be to your website, yeah, to find out about you and all the rest yes. of it? Yes, or even, you know, they can find me on Instagram. I'm a public figure. I'm public figure on Facebook. I've got a website, conchettaantico.com. Um, they can they can easily if they just start typing in Conchetta, I'm going to pop right up yep. on their Google search. Yes, yes. They can find me and to go to have a look at my art online. They can sign up to my newsletter. I send out twice a month. Um, they can email me. They can look at my press. They can listen to and look at interviews. Find out more about me. Um, I've got some fun stuff coming up. More research papers coming out on me before the end of the year. Um, I've just got picked up by a couple of big magazines over here. They're doing big glossies on me, and I'm really honoured to be um, the feature article and the cover photo for a wear magazine here in San Diego, where I'm going to be in every hotel room uh, for the fall over here. Uh, in San Diego. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty exciting. I'm really happy. Um, things are going well. And But, again, my main purpose is to help people see the beauty of our planet. Mm. Um, if people ask me what my main cause is, you know, it's about telling people that, you know, it's a beautiful world that we live in. We need to save it. We need to appreciate it. We've got a lot of gifts that are free to us. We look at them every day and to just be joyful, you know, about what we have and to love who we are because we're all unique and fabulous. And, um, yeah, I think that's the message, you know, and believe in magic because I do. Yeah. No, that sounds that sounds like a great way to live, definitely. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Welcome. It's wonderful. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Conchetta. I find her really inspiring. And like I said in the beginning, kind of mind expanding in regard to colour. The biggest thing for me, though, was realising how much our perception of the world around us is defined by our environment. As Conchetta said, what makes her unique, even among other tetrachromats, is her life story. The fact that she started painting at age six, and that she's basically been training her colour muscles all her life. You'll find links to Conchetta's website and social media, and there's also the article on the neuroscience and genetics related to tetrachromacy, all in the show notes. If you'd like us to do more on colour, then send us an email to hello at artsupplyposse.com or drop by the forum. And please support us with a few dollars towards the hosting fees if you enjoy the podcast. I'll speak to you next time.